0: The Retribution's reveal was absolutely hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> Hello and welcome to the LOP Radio Raw review. My name is Matt Mayer, a.k.a. Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also in podcast form. Links in the description, however, to WrestlingHeadlines.net. And boy, oh boy, was this the worst episode of Raw I have reviewed so far by quite some margin. <laughs> and I just put out a tweet, put, uh, put, just publicising this show a little bit. In it, I was just saying, I've got no idea whether this show will be Full of rants or laughter, and I don't know which way I'll swing yet. Yeah, it'll be one of them. Knowing me, be full of giggling, but I mean like properly, just as, as I try to get through my notes, will it sound vanty Will I have to stop to laugh? <laughs> it's one of the two. Right, let's get bloody to it. So, uh, also before I get into it, you can follow me on Twitter at the damn implicat if you're listening on the uh, if you're listening to podcast form. That's why it's, if you're on YouTube, it's bloody right there. <laughs> so retribution, bloody hell! I don't even. How bad was this? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so Raw overall, uh I'm just to give like a, a like an overall kind of feel for the show, it was dreadful. There were good things in there than like Seth Rollins' performance in a segment I thought was a bit ebb, but he was good in it. Like giving a bit of character to I think that's a is it Aaliyah, the daughter of Ray Mysterio? I suck at names. <laughs> Aaliyah Mysterio giving her a bit of character. I'll get into a con on that when I get to it, but giving couch to the Mysterio family. And Albert, I like that. There were some other things throughout the show that I did think were fine, but overall, really bad. Just I really, I really struggled with this show. Um, in my, as I think I said it before, that I'm currently in a state where I'm getting pulled about. I'm not able to just sit and watch the show and type out a review. I'm kind of doing it in bits as I watch a bit, go do a thing, watch a bit, go do a thing. But bloody! <laughs> this was so difficult to get through this show. Uh, it was it's one of those shows where going through the notes it sounds funny because in a like not in a good way, in a what is this show kind of level. But watching it was pure pain. <laughs> I really did not enjoy this. Uh, but the number one topic, retribution. I think I did a rant last week about how retribution absolutely smells. They just stink. The aroma all around them is of a story. That doesn't exist. They're making it up week to week. Monday to Monday. There is nothing in. That is kind of in place. And this week. Was so astronomically worse. than I had any. <laughs> any thought it might be. Because last week. I was Because they did the NXT thing. And I was like. Maybe it might be a bit contradictory. But they are. They're 100% right in this week to week. And if they finally picked a direction. At least go with a direction. And I was positive about that. that they can go somewhere with it. Then, <laughs> then this week happened, and they kind of did that, because they talked about being former NXT people, but a lot of the things they said kind of went against that, and they're still the anti-establishment, whilst also being properly signed, and also being former NXT, but also against the company, and now they can, uh, oh, i get to the contracts in a second, it's so weird and confusing, like, legitimately, I watched. I want to say I was wording it as I watched one minute of Raw, then wrote seven hundred words, <laughs> but it was, it was probably closer to like three minutes because I'd watched Retribution come out. I'd watched them kind of deliver that opening thing, and I don't think the hurt business had come out yet when I paused it and started writing, and there's like. My God! Just within the opening minute, I was like, "Right, Kate, okay, there's a lot to address here." <laughs> and then I added to it as the show went on, just like their their names, the promo they gave later, which then contradicted certain things that was being told us about the group, and then later the main event as well. Of course, it ended in DQ, <laughs> like my word. So this was also a start to war that seemingly set a shadow over the whole show. Like a cloud of like, what the f is this utter crap? <laughs> like, oh, like legitimately, again. It's like the first time you're listening to one of my shows, I keep a fati- fatigue tracker because it's a kind of known thing to say. Raw is too long. or Raw was definitely felt too long this week, or it needs to go back to two hours. And I thought, well, why not keep a tracker of when that moment hits? As when you feel like now it's too long, like now I've had my fill, now I'm fatigued of it so it makes sense to keep a tracker. I found out, turns out, that some weeks there isn't a fatigue point. Last week there was, but I feel like it's like mid... mid it was like a 30-minute period when nothing happened last week, as I was setting up a steel cage for ages. So, But I enjoyed the rest of the show. This week, it was the first segment of the show. I've never had this in a WWE show before, where the first segment was so bad, took me out of it so much, that I never got back in. And it was, like, we, again, being English, I've through a lot of it. So for me, what, 2.15, 2.20? Like, it's so not quite three hours. But still, to, to be taken out of the show with the first segment and for them to never win me back, that is bad. It's <laughs> just, uh, like, if you're looking for, normally, like, I won't give a grade to a show, I'll give, like, a sentence or something. That is my sentence. <laughs> I was taken out of the show with the very first segment and they never won me back. I was gone. That was it. Like again, there was some good stuff in there, and well, I'll get to that when I get to it. But this cast such a cloud that I, like lots of times I just couldn't concentrate because like, i was just still thinking about it. <laughs> it's so weird. And, like I'm lucky that I wasn't watching this live because you can tell watching this live, like the tag team match that followed the Retribution opener, like a lot of people wouldn't have been watching that because they would have been on Twitter talking about Retribution. They're just still. I, I don't know how long that discourse would have continued about the show where people were able to like properly concentrate and get back to it. Because me, just writing notes, again, with a day getting pulled apart from watching the wrestling. But still, I just never got back in. But like, this is what happens when you have no planned direction. Not all the time. Like, you don't have to give a massive arc to every single story on the show. But one such as this, such a major arc that they're going for, where they've got story beats just happening with no hype, no build, just a sudden jump to a next thing happening. Like, whether it makes sense or not, <laughs> okay, because before, doesn't matter. Like, out of nowhere, with no hint setting up this next beat. Just like, oh. <laughs> like, so for me, like, Retribution were offered contracts. Why? So the commentators kind of addressed it, but it's more of a who would offer contracts, like who offered these guys contracts, but it's more of a selling their image kind of feels what I got. So they like, look at these guys, they're chaotic. Who would offer these guys con- contracts? You're going to be crazy to give these guys contracts. Uh, like more like that rather than setting up a story of, oh, who did? So I didn't really take it quite as that because I was doing a lot of work to make this make sense <laughs> on the show tonight and kind of getting them over. And like, they set it up last week with them being former NXT guys. And I was like, yeah, at least pick something. Yeah, it doesn't entirely make sense with what, with everything that's come before. But at least you're picking a direction now. You can build, you can go with it. And this went just wildly off. <laughs> so, right, I have so many notes for this. And again, most of this I wrote after watching. Uh, it felt like that first minute. So, one minute, 700 words. <laughs> so, let's get through this. Like, one... The masks. Let's start with the masks, <laughs> just, like 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 that South Park episode where there's the Bane mask that just traps on everybody. As well as a mask, the show episode where they all buy masks off Amazon as well. They look so bad, so cheap, and of course, Dajakovic's immediately meme to hell. Like he's wearing a bloody Bane mask. <laughs> of course he was. And uh, I, I even I went to the effort today that just to prove how I just want to do anything but watch this show. I spent like twenty minutes learning how to make a gif with the words pop up so that I could get a gif of uh, of Cartman saying, uh, you should have respected my authority wearing the Bane mask from the Bane mask episode. I was like, I got it, and I've got it. I've got it now. <laughs> so, oh, so, I did that today. <laughs> Instead of watching more, <laughs> I did that. Instead of watching more, I legitimately, at one point, like 2, 3pm, I was sweeping away rubble and dust I, 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 I was rather doing that than watching more like, that was a break from it oh, but the masks looked awful so in terms of like things I would change the masks and a reports coming out from Vessel Votes who are normally quite uh, quite dependable they like, can rely on them the information is normally quite accurate obviously like a lot of things it's not 100% but they're normally very accurate and the percentage is high <laughs> I'll go okay with that But uh, they were saying that, uh, according to a source from backstage, that it was a hot talking point last night. Not last night. Last night was Retribution. And apparently, a lot of times it was with laughter as well. Like, the thought that the masks and the names is giving them one hell of a mountain to climb, like, immediately, off the bat. And I don't think they ever can. If they don't change this, like, it's, it's been an act that's been changed so much like I, I know a lot of people will take it as like evidently you don't know what you're doing changing it it's like for me evidently this isn't going to work change it <laughs> like as quickly as possible <laughs> just drop the things that aren't working you're making it up week to week as you go along and dropping things that you didn't think worked why stop now <laughs> so the masks my god the masks are awful drop the masks just immediately I don't the funny thing they were wearing the <laughs> <laughs> to me I don't think how ridiculous this whole thing is so they were wearing the hoods and the black masks and like, across their mouths and they're going across uh, ja- uh, going across doing things attacking the show breaking stuff limp biscuiting about all over the place and now they take off their hoods and then lower their masks to reveal that they are wearing masks <laughs> they've got more masks on they completely mask something again proof that this wasn't something they were building to never hint of anything like that in any of the attacks before. You, get, you got the black mask over the mouth, Then you got the hood over as well. Uh, that, w- that was it. Now it's properly masks and immediately just memes to hell of what is this. And uh, Shane Thorne, I think, if we said Shane Thorne, he has the mask where it's a hockey mask, but it's not Jason Voorhees, com- com- it's not that quality, and it's not Casey Joes quality. <laughs> it's just like a really cheap, <laughs> just bought, for five dollars, <laughs> just from a local place, just grab this. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Dacicovic in the face paint and the mask as well, and they're all wearing masks. You know I Mercedes mean? Martinez wears a mask to the ring on NXT, then takes it off and doesn't wrestle in it. But these guys, they're properly in the masks, and some of them have got really cool looks. It's really weird. I really don't get it. <laughs> it's so- but the masks were awful. They- the masks were hilariously bad. And have Dijakovic, just as Bane? It's going to get memes because it's not good. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, so, and the fact that I'm laughing at it—that's kind of even if you don't like take the like me saying it's bad. Like that's an opinion, obviously. You can't take that as ultimate fact. But as I'm saying it, I am laughing, and that should say everything <laughs> essentially. Like no matter where I'm falling on it, obviously, good is it bad. I'm laughing whilst I'm saying about it because I just found it silly. <laughs> it was I found it funny. Uh, it's the Jesus. Two point number two. I gotta go quicker than this. <laughs> As I said, I bashed out so many words. Two. I'm sorry. What are their names? <laughs> so, after directly telling us, before I get to the names, <laughs> after directly telling us that these people are NXT veterans, they are disgruntled NXT wrestlers. They are they're showing us they are well-known NXT veterans in they way like you see them like well that's me. Yim that's Mercedes Martinez. Uh, you can tell it's Dijak, you can tell it's Dio Madden, Shane Thorne has got a bigger mass, so I guess he's hidden more. But still. You can Mercedes Martinez and Yim, they've been featured very heavily on NXT. Like and, we, and we we're told these are disgruntled NXT veterans. Then you see them, and they are NXT names that you know. But on the show, we're now also not meant to know who they are and call them <laughs> Mace, T-Bar, and Slapjack. What the hell? <laughs> so I'll at least give a little bit of context. They're the names of tools, or well, until slash weapons. Like well, Slapjack is the I guess slap... We slap with it. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, What the? Santino oh, and Ortiz used one in the car park brawl last week. On AEW, you've seen one very recently. T-bar's like a hammer thing. And you know what a mace is. Don't need to describe a mace. And... But at least there's a theme to those. But what are you going to call... Like, is me going to be called Ratchet? <laughs> what are the others going to be called? The, like, there's Halberd? I don't know how far into the weapons you go. All <laughs> the old small handheld weapons. I don't... It's, it's so so stupid. Especially as... They voice themselves as disgruntled NXT veterans. That is in their character from last week, and you build on it that they are they are NXT wrestlers who are sick of like waiting and they're not, not going to be left. But by... <laughs> it's contradictory. I'll, I'll get to my notes in a second with that. But so, but they're not these guys. They're Mace, T-Bone, Sla- and that was held off right until the main event. That their names were not revealed until they came out into the ring and on commentary, Tom Phillips informs us of their names. And the name's are hilariously bad. <laughs> like it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, side villain, like Shredder's Goons level. <laughs> oh, bad. Uh, like 90s action flicks, side characters that get killed. Mad Max, the people that Mad Max would kill pretty easily <laughs> in Mad Max. Like somebody charges that. The people who charge at him just get immediately wiped out. Like that level. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, a Borderlands villain, not even a. Not, but not a boss, just just a villain, it's just a guy who runs at you. That's still in Mad Max world, <laughs> technically. My God, these are bad. <laughs> and obviously, it's become an immediate meme. Like, by I hadn't even woken up yet. And immediately, there's post after post of, what's your retribution name? Your retribution name is this random thing next to you. <laughs> it's just... uh and there's coming, so many people coming up with different names because there's so many bad ones. Favorite one being from dodgeball, obviously of uh, laser and blazer. <laughs> your, that should be the name of me and him and Saint Martinez. Like oh, it, it. the names. So the, that's to get that's, that's the mask and the names. Those two things on top of each other made me laugh so much. How in the, I am? How in the hell are they going to make me care about these people? And that's nothing on the performers. It's, in the wrestling itself didn't really get to do much, but it was fine. It was competitive. It was a very brawly affair. They did a brawly affair relatively well in the main event. But there's just the masks and the names are really, really bad. <laughs> Which I cannot. Like, first impression is quite a lot in wrestling. And this first impression is death, like, dead on arrival. Like, it's. Because we've seen things in the past that maybe weren't quite working initially then turned out really well. Uh, I guess it's not WWE, but most recently will be Dark Order in AEW, where it took a while, but one year later they are incredibly over. But in WWE, I guess the nearest case I could definitely think of would probably be New Day, where at first it was a little bit, I don't know about this group, and it was just a bit, hmm. Then they... Over oh, slowly over time, like things clicked a bit more. Especially when they turned heel, that's when they were able to show character, and that's when it happened. Like really, it, as soon as they were able to show character and build like that, so we have seen a, a group of people where it didn't wasn't quite gelling at first. It was a few months of kind of figuring it out, and then as soon as like one thing happened, it took a few months, but they got there, and then they were able to really build them. Attribution, I just do not see that happening. With the hurdles are massive. Like, at least with New Day, it was just a little bit of why well, you need. To, let's tweaks to the gimmick, tweaks to what they're doing to try and make it work. And if you listen to their podcast about that like, kind of that era, it's really I found that really interesting. But like they at least weren't called Mace, T. par and Slapjack. <laughs> that is a hurdle. My God, <laughs> my God, is that a hurdle? And like the best thing is. They were talking about being like no like they're, they're disgruntled and they're, they're no long, no longer gonna be willing to be left in the shadows uh, to that. Like their NXT kind of gave them a new gave them a like a WWE name and just left them to, in the darkness. Well, no longer they're now coming out and wearing masks with just as ridiculous names <laughs> it's just, so you're still hidden and you're still under a crappy WWE name <laughs> I thought, oh, that's not even I guess I get to the next set of um, uh, things oh I'm already so far into this show ooh as I was writing my notes for, this sh- for the rest of Raw, I was like, do I even need to? It might just even be a complete retribution man. <laughs> but i have bloody put Randy Orton and Seth Rollins in the graphic. I'll get to them. <laughs> so, retribution. Point number three. Oh, as I said, as I said, I bashed out so much. After weeks of security trying to fight them off, with Vince McMahon threatening Adam Pearce's career to get him to handle them seriously, the boss man has seemingly had a complete and utter change of heart and just hires the bastards. (laughs) Like, again, not always a bad story point to reach. But with no hint, zero build to the beat, one week it's chaos and the next they're suddenly hired? Like, this time last week, they did not know they were going to do this. And the... Actually, I'll get to it in a second, because I'm pretty certain I <laughs> address it in later notes. I was going to talk about the contract, but I'll get to it. So, also, the, the fact this happened on this show. Like, you chose the go-home show for a B-pay-per-view that they're not on to open the show with their reveals and have them bookend it at the start and the end. And you set that up for their official debut match. Like, if I had the impression there was a planned arc in place, I might not complain at all. But because this reeks of no direction, making it up Monday to Monday, I just questioned, why? Why not just wait a week? Or, hell, use this week to make this beat make sense when it happens next week after the pay-per-view. Like, Survivor Series, right round the... I'm doing that planning ahead thing. (laughs) It's like, oh, you could do this next week and then just build straight to Survivor Series with this and just go straight for that arc. And it's like, oh wait, no. I'm doing that planning ahead thing. (laughs) Even if it's just one week which in some angles might be happening, but it's not in this one. <laughs> this is week to week. It's, yeah. As in right now, they do not know what's going to happen on Raw, and it's going to be just as random. It's going to be just as contradictory, unless it's really low-key, or just like a building block for them. But I feel like it will change gears to Survivor Series. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Hurt Business versus them, or Hurt business or Retribution versus WWE guys in that match. But. Three of them are men, two of them women. So, what do they do there? Do they do it first, or do they just split it up? Is it going to be a complete NXT thing where all NXT go? Yeah, I'm with that. I uh, say I'll get to that now. Are these the main five of Retribution, as in the five we saw tonight? I'm not going to. I'm going to go through them in a second, but that kind of takes from my point. So, and the others are their goons, their followers, maybe. But if the main five are disgruntled NXT stars. Who are the goons? <laughs> why do they care about this employee grievance? <laughs> why are they caring so much? And it's so many people as well. Are they also NXT? Because disgruntled NXT stars, disgruntled WWE employees. Do they just are these people that hate the WWE system and are here to break it down to take that, take it down with them? This is why this absolutely smells of a thing that looks cool or a thing that resembles something that was happening in real life when it started but they had absolutely no direction for it and the direction they've given for like the main five then doesn't make any sense for why a larger group of people will be joining in them causing the chaos <laughs> they just believe so strongly that wwe employees shouldn't Shouldn't be willingly WWE employee. Is that is that it? Are they just that against the WWE? System? It, does, it feels a too personal <laughs> to those five people. For it to make any sense, why these random goons would also be in on it, unless they're just paid. But then that goes against the thing that they're they're against. But to be fair, they contradict that themselves. That so I think that's fine. <laughs> so point number six: Are they or the group of attribution? Tired of not getting an opportunity, being in the shadows and then just taking their spot, taking it to WWE? Or are they anti-WWE here to burn the whole company to the ground, as Mia Yim put it in her promo on this show? (laughs) If it's the latter, why on earth announce that they've officially signed contracts? (laughs) One is slightly opposed to the other. Like, they gave a... Promo like like Matt, this is bad. Like, and the level of talent in this group like Dijak Dijakovic, Dm Madden, Shane Thorne, Mia Yim, Mercedes Martinez are all wasted on this directionless drivel of crap. And they gave a promo later, and I think it was a uh, Dijakovic. He was saying, while others wait out in the cold, like hurt business, you line your pockets with WWE's money to pay for your fancy suits. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Tom Phillips opened the show, and he said it later as well. By saying Retribution had signed contracts, <laughs> which means kovic saying oh, her business, you are the bad guys because you're lining your pockets with WWE's money. But Tom Phillips opened the show by saying that Retribution have signed contracts with WWE, so they're also taking WWE's money. <laughs> so just uh, what, wh- where, <laughs> where, what? It's so contradictory. Doesn't. The bits don't mix on the same show. If it's week to week and they're making it up as they go along, maybe. But this is on the same show. (laughs) This promo from Dajakovic directly clashes (laughs) with what he was saying. What commentary was saying. And my favourite line, which made the least sense, was after they did a backstage attack. The, The group were attacking people backstage. And he comes back to Tom Phillips and he's like, Well, they can do what they want now. They've got contracts. (laughs) <laughs> like, wait, what is that? How contracts work? <laughs> like, oh, I've got to, I want to do this backstage beatdown, but I just want to, I want to make sure I'm officially signed and it's okay to do that beforehand. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, and they were already doing that before they signed the contracts. So why does the contracts al- contract allow them to do this? Is that's <laughs> that's not how contracts work. <laughs> oh, it makes so little sense. <laughs> That was that's why that's just my favourite line of it all. It's just like there's the creme de la creme, just the just this cherry on top. It's just the reason they're able to get away with the with the attacks now is because they've officially signed contracts and they're with the company. Therefore, they kind of do what they want. But they were doing what they want before. <laughs> it's like even just imme- like immediately. I didn't put this in my notes. I thought oh, just, it'd be a bit of a tangent. But I've, I've spent so much time on it. I'm in now with with this. Like Just a different order of the same beats might have even worked a little bit. Like Instead of it being Retribution coming out, it's the Hurt Business, because they they were the ones who looked cool at the end of the show last week. They were the ones who made a statement uh, finally fighting back up against Retribution. Why not open the show with the Hurt Business? They are the ones who challenged it to Retribution. They come out to the Hurt Business, and the Hurt Businesses are the ones pushing for them to fight Retribution. Oh, but you can't do that unless they're officially signed. It makes no sense, but it's better than what it did. <laughs> so... Then, and then it's like, are you sure you know what you're in for? And the Hurt Business is like, well, we'll handle it. We we know totally what we're in for. And then that's how Retribution gets in. But I've essentially done the exact same beats that WWE have, just in a different order. And I just, that was me using what they gave me to try and make it make sense. <laughs> it's just, and try and build to it. Because then you can at least, well, Hurt Business kind of, they kind of knew what, they were pushing for it and pushing for it. And they were like, we can handle this. And then you can do the story of what well, they couldn't. Retribution was a bigger force and the her Businesses were too cocky. The Hurt are an extremely cocky stable so that fits into their characters. And the uh, and the Retribution, they love chaos so that fits into theirs. <laughs> it's just, it makes so little sense. At least, oh, I was trying to say individually they would look cool, but without the masks. That's the thing. It's, it's the masks that does it. It turns into presentation and image. It's weird enough as it is, <laughs> the the names are awful they i mean they're funny i won't not awful makes, makes it negative like they made me laugh cuz they were just like i'm sorry what <laughs> uh so the names are funny which i think is worse than awful the, the names are funny the masks are just cheap looking and kind of just tacky and crap uh you put those two things together that's a massive mountain to try and climb and it, that's One of those things where it's it's with the vessel votes report or just I say report with the vessel votes tweet, it's easy to believe and that's the kind of fact where you're very quick to believe it just because it's so easy to believe just because that's the general consensus anyway. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Like backstage people were laughing at it, going, "These guys have got a bit of a mountain like right out the gate. Like this uh, isn't, it's bad." It just made me laugh. The show, but, but when I said it cast a cloud over the show, I'm not lying. Like, it doesn't get better from here. And I am just going to have to take a drink of water before I get into it. But Retribution, my God. I guess I'll get to like the main event as well. Just so I can get to the end of my vanity list and actually get on with the rest of the show. Like, the main event? At the time I was thinking, right, it's got the logos all over the arena, there's no music, they're coming out with the chaos and the a million cuts of the camera, uh, ridiculous names, silly cheap masks, but let's see them in a wrestle. Uh, Let's judge them there as well. And it was a very very broadly style from the three of them. Uh, Cedric hitting a handspring on (laughs) T-Bar, Lashley looking a beast after hoisting Sl- Slapjack! <laughs> I can't even say the name with the hurt business hitting a hitting a stride with the hurt business hitting a stride. Oh yeah, Dijakovic... Like I'm, I just want to call him. I don't want to call him Tvar. <laughs> I can't be calling him that. Uh, Dijakovic Then I just hit. I think he hit Dio Madden on the back and or like or no he hit. No, he hit one of the hurt business on the back. who were going after Dio Madden and. That was immediate DQ. Like, oh, I can't be doing with that. Said the ref. Like, like I'm sorry. It's such a weak DQ as well <laughs> on the end of a really questionable show. The DQ is so weak in a match which is likely to have like little burst outs like that. Given who's involved, and you immediately give a DQ for one punch <laughs> to the back of somebody on ringside. It's like that's a very weak DQ. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't really know what more to say. Uh, then the then, uh, WWE roster came out and there was a big old brawl and there were so many camera cuts. I legitimately, until Randy Orton's RKO to Drew McIntyre, I can't tell you what happened because I don't know. I didn't watch it back because I was knackered by this point. I was like, I just want this to be done. Just please let this show, this pain end. And like I didn't, I couldn't tell what was happening. And that's, in terms of filming a thing and yet you're trying to try get across chaos, if I don't know what's happening and my feeling is nothing... Again, it's not all. It's not just this segment's fault that I'm feeling nothing. And I always rant on the camera work, especially retribution has really brought it to light. Now, I see what they're trying to do, but it just needs calming down a bit. It's too much. And when he really, when he just do not know what's happening until it does that karma shot. And yes, this was a big body affair, so it was a lot more suitable to other things, like when they do the quick cuts. But it's just two people walking around the ring. Like, I do not need to do that. <laughs> just do not just slow it down. Like, have, have, have the speed of your cuts match the speed of the action. That's when it's perfect. And this was at least a chaosy brawl. So, at least the pace of it kind of makes sense. But you mix that in with the zooming in and out cameras, the left to the right, the up, the up and down camera thing that they do. Uh, you put all of that together, and it's disorientating and difficult to actually just take anything in. But I did, they did slow it down to make sure to capture Randy Orson RKOing Drew McIntyre. And then it was just a big brawly affair and kind of. Ends again, and again with Retribution doing a big old brawl. The show ends with the focus more primarily on McIntyre and Orton. So at least there's that top note that with all the chaos going on, they at least made sure to focus the end on the Universal Championship. Nope, wrong title. That's on SmackDown. On the WWE Championship. They did that at least. Oh, right. So that's the Retribution, man. I feel like I laughed quite a bit during that. I thought feel, I feel, that's just like a. It's an event that just. Made me feel better getting all of that out <laughs> because it was just so. Oh, it was such a difficult show to get through. I feel like doing this is my uh, my medicine <laughs> to help me cope with the pain. Oh, generally helping, actually. <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, to end the opening segment, by the way, the hurt business came out. Uh, they challenged him to a fight. Like I thought, you were men. Uh, we show that you're boys. And uh, that's when the goons attacked. And like. My god, the contrast in factions in on display right there. They like, arguably the best built stable in WWE in the Hurt business, facing easily the worst. Like one with a build and a direction that's forming really nicely over time. One that's just pure randomness that makes no sense and on this same show contradicts itself. <laughs> as, as I was saying, uh criticising their their Hurt business for signing for taking WWE's money whilst it's being openly said that Retribution has signed contracts and will therefore be taking WWE's money. <laughs> oh, so contradictory. Oh It's amazing. <laughs> it's, and that's not in a good way. It's bad. Uh, after the break... Let's get on with it. Let's get on with the show. After the break, La Mysterio familiar Ray feels so blessed uh, with... Uh, and this is just a wee promo for the number one's contenders. Tag match up next. We did win t- three too many assets in that sentence. Angel Garza and Andrade versus Seth Rollins and Murphy versus Humberto Cavillo and Dominic Mysterio. I made notes, but... Mm, very dry throat. Personal pain out of the way first. <laughs> the pairing that never ends. Five months later, street profits are still defending against Garza and Andrade. My hype level is absolute zero. <laughs> I, and I made a joke this the last week or two weeks ago. I just put twenty seventh times the charm, and that was two weeks ago. And at SummerSlam, or was it Payback? Oh, they were back to back. I can't remember whichever show this title match was on. And they, the the match, and I remember like my kind of build to it was just just saying again, like really, like they've lost at every turn the challengers, and then the pay per view they then went and won. <laughs> so well, what's the point? They lost at every turn on the pay per view. They lost again, <laughs> and now they're challenging again after like losing constantly. Still getting and getting title shot after title shot in spite of constantly losing and never beating Street Profits. So if they beat them this time, <laughs> it's kind of like who cares? <laughs> they lost so many times. Like who seriously? Who cares? Like the Street Profits are the ones who have been elevated a tad, I guess, but they got no one to face. And this is case in point that they're facing the same team over and over and over. And 27th like times the charm of <laughs> the same team. Uh, like After the Triple Threat tag match itself, this was fun. Difficult to fully get into after the opening segment broke me. Uh, Raw tag team champions Ford and Dawkins on commentary injecting energy into this match that was already flying at such a rate. Andrade and Drade and Gaza working well against the speed and agility of Carrillo and Mysterio. And then you got the little beats of Rollins and Murphy as well. Our young faces may be too eager to impress, flying all over. Uh, they were impressing, but they essentially took themselves out of the match by doing that. Uh, after Herfie, Herfie, Murphy hit a nice string of offence, uh, Rollins abandons his man, saying he, is more, he has more important things to take care of. Andrade and Gaza capitalise, and the wing clipper to Murphy set us back onto the same pairing we've been seeing for months. Uh, I guess it's... At the time, I thought, yeah, this could be quite a nice note in the Rollins-Murphy story, like a uh, kind of... Just a little spotlight for Murphy, just to be like, this is a consequence of your actions type of thing, like a lesson from Seth. Uh, that's not what it was, like, at all. Like, he legitimately had went to do something. <laughs> but it was also a big spotlight on how little WWE cares about their tag scene, once again. And as I noted last week, the reason it's kind of sticking out... a li- Like, we complained before, but the reason it kind of, it feels like there's a bigger emphasis on it now, it's because there's a competitor who is. A competitor who really is putting effort and energy into building their tag scene. And you can he can really feel the difference. When you watch WWE, it's kind of like, like why would I even watch it? Like, and if I was not doing uh, Aftershock this weekend, I would likely just skip Street Profits and, and, Garza, and Garza Andrade, can't say their name back to back. Like, I would likely just skip it because I've already seen it. How many times? Like over the course of the summer, on how many pay per views and the likelihood of Andrade and Gaza winning? And if they do, why would I care? <laughs> it's just. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Tony said that thing. And that's, after that, we got the Retribution promo, which just contradicted everything Tom Phillips was saying in the opening and continued to say throughout the show. Next up, a number three segment Kevin Owens' show with Shane McMahon. And in pure WWE fashion, they, Kevin just calls a beef water under the bridge. It was like a massive thing last year. Now it's just that, doesn't matter, move it across. So like they addressed it, which is like, well, we can't not address it. But also, it's like, ah, pass doesn't matter. It's like, case on point that I've said a few times, just in the way WWE works, like, it, the what you saw before doesn't feed into anything and doesn't matter. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to with AW, because that's something I've predicted they'll do, and I really do hope that they'll go through with. It is that thing of the everything does matter, it is in the canon. So once they're into their second year, which comes this next month, where right, in a couple of weeks we'll start entering that territory. And that's when you can start doing callbacks to the year before, make everything relevant. And that, that that's one of my things that, of course, this first year, it's impossible to see until you hit that point of retreading the dates. Uh, you can do it, Start another calendar year. So I am... Uh, that's one of the things I want to take note of with AW. When do they start referring to things that happened the year previously? And I would really... Like, personally, one of the things I'm really looking forward to do they do a callback with Kenny Omega standing up behind John Moxley just as John Moxley stood up behind Kenny Omega on the debut episode of AEW last year? Did you reverse of it this year? It's like little thing, little beats like that and is that like immediately something I was like that is something I believe AEW would do and I'm looking forward to seeing whether they will or not. WWE, add this thing that happened last year, doesn't matter. But we at least addressed it. <laughs> he gives the floor to Shane to promote Raw Underground. Uh, ah yes, the perfect segment when I've been taken out of your show right at the beginning <laughs> to give me Shane McMahon plugging Raw Underground. Uh, at least the bright part of this is Davocato like transitioning onto the show itself. One of my critiques of Raw Underground was it existing in a weird existential bubble and now this at least injects it somewhat onto the show but only kind of. Also, also poor Kevin Owens. It's like the level of talent, and this is the segment it's used for. Uh, he then, I've also invited Braun Strowman. So, Braun Strowman's train sounds, and then he comes out. Uh, tad of a stare down. Alistair Black then turns up and drags KO into the ring post. The Dutchman staring down Owens, Who's laying in pain at ringside? As we hear Shane and Braun continue to build their match, like, ooh, Raw Underground, ooh, starts at 10, ooh. <laughs> that's how Shane talks, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, like, at this point, still taking out of the show, things were happening, but they were getting no reaction from me. And, like, I was writing this as I was watching it and was just thinking, oh, crap, that's not good. Because, on my kind of, at this point, I reckon I'm. Just about to get to breaking an hour. I think I broke, I think hour two started with McIntyre Keith Lee, or it might have even been Asker. Oh, god, (laughs) this was a difficult show to get through. (laughs) But when it hit me, it was like, Oh crap, this is the second segment after that opening, and what's happening on the show is getting nothing from me. Ah, This is going to be a painful one. Uh, Charlie was backstage with Drew McIntyre, and he he says his joy is fine. Well, it doesn't say, he's like, "Mm, Yeah, it's good. Uh, his friendship with Keith Lee is still intact. Totally understands the fight behind the man. Sure, the two of them will be... He, he is sure the two of them will be laughing over it. Over it? Laughing over, about it over drinks. Why can't I talk tonight? Laughing about it over drinks in the future. Uh, and Keith, those drinks are on me after I beat you, buddy. And uh, obviously, it's Keith Lee. And so far, he's only had one clean victory and it was on pay for you. Every other one... Oh, I guess Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> I guess that one. Just so much interference. Uh, after the break, Retribution were attacking Randers backstage. Uh, Dajakovic yells at the ca- the camera once again that they are the judge, jury, and executioners of the WWE superstars. Uh, afterwards, Tom Phillips. This is when he told us that the group can do what they want because they've signed contracts. <laughs> it just makes no sense. <laughs> On top of the contradictions and other things that <laughs> make no sense. Uh, June McIntyre versus Keith Lee, the rematch from last week. And at this point, they were still plugging the Clash of Champions match as either Lee or Orton as the challenger. So as Keith Lee walked in the ring, I was just thinking, surely, surely WWE wouldn't give you McIntyre versus Lee two weeks in a row before a third match on Sunday. Like, like me, me saying I could watch these two again and again doesn't mean give it me every week with no reprieve. <laughs> Because, again, this match was already building really nicely. Uh, Lee and McIntyre in the match itself slapping strong. Again, the former consciously making the decision whether to continue or not after clocking the champion's fractured jaw. I like that. Building from last week, we get to see... Because I was phasing last week a bit, just saying... If you're going to give us this match, it could be a match on pay-per-view, you give us a decent amount, so it could elevate to something, but don't actually do it, you save that for the pay-per-view. And this, again, it was elevating somewhat, and then it hit a big beat of Keith Lee just not, as like, oh, he's going to have to break through a wall to be perfectly fine hitting during that jaw, and at first he wasn't. And like no matter what Drew says, this match was at least decently setting up that like, his jaw is a major weak point. Something a certain someone could could, could capitalise upon in a certain title match this Sunday. Uh, Keith Lee went for the spirit bomb, rather than going right in on that jaw, showing mercy was a mistake for the big man, a mistake he wouldn't make again. Later, clocking him with a series of strikes to the face, telling Drew, like, this is my chance, I I'm, I'm going to go in with this. Uh, Lee hoisted the Scott up for a spirit bomb again. Drew slipped out and nailed the claymore. And Orton out of nowhere, uh, chair shots to the back, followed by some targeting of the jaw and a punt to Keith Lee. Orton returning in style before Sunday. Now, I criticise a tad, but I'm really digging the dynamic between these three lads right now. Uh, yeah, After the match, uh, Randy Orton has the mic. And he's like, of course I was going to be there on Sunday, why would you doubt me? And he then focuses on the ambulance match. Walks over to said ambulance that's been rampside all show. He opens up the doors and cuts a long promo. And again in a show which I've been struggling to get into. And the first match where I'm like yeah I'm digging the dynamic here. Immediately into a DQ but at least I'm de- it's the dynamic. <laughs> he gets, immediately swings our attention to Orton. And gives us a reason why Keith Lee won't be there. Uh, Orton gives a really long promo in front of the ambulance where again because of the show that's happened so far, I'm not taking in any of this. It it felt like it might have been decent, but it was also long. And it was a Randy Orton promo, and this isn't the thing to pull me in, even if it was good. Um, On Sunday, he says he will win his 14th World Championship. At Clash of Champions, he will make sure McIntyre takes another ride in that ambulance. Like A decent, if not tad long promo that I certainly would have been into if I wasn't still struggling to get into the show. Uh, Schreiber's in the interviewing with Asker, who's. Asuka that who uh, gets asked, who is the who's the greater threat? Mickey James or Zelina Vega? Uh, she responds in Japanese until Billy Kay comes in and cuts a promo on the ridiculousness on how James and Vega got their shots. Uh, lists a whole load of random people who could contend given the just walk up and ask way of working. Uh, Sarah, the interviewer, why not Jen from Catering, Or even. and Peyton Royce comes in. The two are like, of course we're still friends. Like, just pretend the post-match underground bit and subsequent match week after never happened. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're still friends. So, like, oh, so, never happened. Okay, cool. At least he's transitioning into a Peyton voice singles one, which they, going by the match that Asuka and her had later, they seem to be at least a bit getting behind Peyton. So... I'm so much more up for Peyton Voice stepping to Asuka than I am Zelina. Like, it feels a lot more like building the division rather than a kind of throwaway challenger that has no chance and then you move on. Which is Zelina, unfortunately. Before our women's match uh, gets up where I showed our second recap of the night of the opening. (laughs) Like, guys, you've just finished the first hour, do you really need to keep me showing it that often? So, oh, and the time it takes me to get through it, that's our one. It's two more to go. Jesus Christ. Mm. Number one contenders match. Let's go. <laughs> Winner faces Asker at Clash of Champions. Zelina Vega versus Mickey James. Uh, Mickey taking it to Vega. The veteran was taking it to Zelina, who was wrestling her smart counter style. Uh, Vega's match style works really well at building up her opponent. Like Sure, they can beat her on strength and size and wrestling talent, but they'll keep getting caught if they can't outsmart her. And that's what happened here. James caught up in the emotion of it, shouting to the crowd before securing her big moment, only for Vega to counter again, this time sending her into the ropes and following up with a backstab before the win. Like, Not that excited for the match on Sunday, but I do appreciate Zelina's style. Really, it works the best, and Bianca Belair was the perfect kind of opponent for Zelina. In that, uh, we to beat her, Bianca Belair had to outsmart her, and you saw that happen. And that makes Bianca Belair look like a bigger deal because she was able to do that. This makes Mickey look like a bit of an idiot because she fell for it all. So, yeah. uh, her business was backstage fighting off some retribution lads. Cedric Alexander's up next, facing Apollo Cruz. Then we got a Bianca Belair VTR, where she just embarrassed a lad at the gym over and over. <laughs> like a very modern-day WWE thing to show these VTRs five months after her debut and sparing usage. <laughs> uh, something weird then came next. The 24-7 title. Right, it's like, in on such a weird show, and then this aired on this super stra- <laughs> strange, difficult show. Akira... Takes a referee to, with him, a referee who's also Jessopus the Ninja, into the ocean at the beach. So that they can jump Truth on the beach. Uh, who uh, Before then he's like, Truth is there, he's going to swim with little Jimmy. Teaches him about the safeties before doing so. When he spots a shark, uh, he then tries, just backs off and of runs away, goes to protect little Jimmy as well. Like, when little Jimmy escape? But he drops his title and escaping while shouting, Shark! Shark Sharknado! Uh, he returns to grab his title uh, with a snorkel so he can go swimming for it. And he uh, like he's going to bravely jump in when he sees the shark. And, ah, Sharknado 2 <laughs> finds the title along with a shredded ninja outfit. And that's when he's like, oh, Tazawa got devoured. And never play with sharks, Jimmy. And, and out they're going. I'm just sitting there going, wait, so is Akira dead? Akira's dead, right? <laughs> like, Okay, it just hit differently because of the show the way the show had gone It's like this was so strange <laughs> it's our truth comedy so at least it had that and I'm appreciative of the comedy side of wrestling I, I don't mind silly things again uh, as I was talking about the NXT review last week with James Boyd massive fan of Toyo Yano in New Japan for wrestling really enjoyed the uh, Fandang, Fandango Febreze Febreze I call them Febreze <laughs> I can not remember their actual name and Ango, there we go a fan of Brizango, but they uh, I liked it when they did their city kind of coming out of different jobs like, I enjoyed that my brain's turning up to mush after <laughs> getting it through it's powering through all of this uh, uh, Apollo cruise with Ricochet versus Cedric Alexander and MVP was next I think you've just seen something come in Van Dior and Seth Rollins on Team Raw for Survivor Series or oh, oh, that could be the, the two then what do you do for Retribution like who are they who do Retribution as there too. They can just pick two goons. Like, it doesn't matter. If you have to. Unless you do five on five and it's three men, two women. But then you've got the weird WWE intergender rules. So, bear. Uh, anyway, MVP uh, hits on the six-man tag match uh, against Retribution later tonight before the, sh- before the match actually starts. Cedric uh, also going on like him saying why Cruz has no business challenging for the US Championship at the pay-per-view. Uh, Cruz and Ricochet come out. Uh, the contender says you don't have to keep trying to explain why you did what you did. Now he's want to punch you in the face. And they won with roll-up. <laughs> so it wasn't like a pure anger thing. The match was fine. Uh, Alexander trying to wear Cruz down, doing a decent job, but the man kept striking back. Uh, Cruz channel- channeling his inner Tanahashi with a frog splash to a standing Alexander. Really building momentum as the match went on. Leading to a really nice looking pop-up Samoan drop. Uh, and to the outside, Alexander swings back in with a suicide dive, countering back backflip off the apron. But after rolling his opponent back in, he has an exchange with Ricochet. Like, come on, do something, dare you. Uh, quickly moving on though, and back to the match. But it was enough for Apollo to be playing possum and roll him up for the three. And just on the ramp celebrate. He's like, hey, we beat him. And... The rest of the Hurt Business uh, come out for a quick hello. Alexander with the jump and the rest with the follow-up. Lashley locking in the Hurt Lock to Cruise for the final beat of the message. Uh, uh, yeah, that was the end of that segment. Just realise my next note is about the next bit. <laughs> uh, also, uh, more stuff on Survivor Series coming in. Uh, do we Dewey Champion vs. War Champion. Uh, I've always enjoyed the uh, Champion vs. Champion stuff at Survivor Series. And uh, uh, I'm trying to think where on the show's building to. But last year there was... Remember last year they did the titles being defended as in just the men's singles they got defended and every other title was show versus show. I don't know why that seemed to work. It gave you... Because Survivor Series has a massive problem where every storyline just gets dropped then you go to the show. Uh, I guess Retribution will feed into it this year. But you get... It Feel like things just get dropped. Whatever's being built to is just gone for Survivor Series. But having those two matches just the undisputed and WWE titles on the line you suddenly had something to be going for like a story to be to continue to go in with so it wasn't all just versus versus and your storylines out just in this bubble just stop happening and then they will continue or start anew after Survivor Series I like the Champions Defending last year but I also really enjoyed Champion versus Champion matches (laughs) but really I'm saying Survivor Series I've I've enjoyed relatively quite a lot uh, these past few years. Uh, the Survivor Series matches themselves are often the weak point, which is a bit of a shame, but I, I've been fine with the idea. The cards themselves are enjoyable, even if the builds make no sense, things get dropped, the heat between the two shows just doesn't feel believable. <laughs> or oh, it's a bit—it's either over the top or too little and there's no in-between. It doesn't make sense because it doesn't get built to and suddenly this month it really matters and then after this month it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> And it won't matter again until it's October, November again next year. So yeah. But the show's were enjoyable. I enjoy the shows. So yeah. Uh, and Underground de next, and nope, not tonight. No time for this on a bad show like tonight. I was uh, skimming through and I had a new interviewer who uh, it's not her fault, but it's just <laughs> it was just funny. Just like at one point she just uh she just kind of emotionlessly, like, and we'll be back to raw underground, but now it's to this. And it was just so unemotional. I was like it's not her fault. It's just the, the words she is given to say and the way she would say it at this point. It was just bad. <laughs> it's like, oh, like it's a running thing with all of their interviews. Like a lot of the questions they get them to ask are just awkward and just strange. And next up, uh, Seth Rollins visits papers. Uh, what was Rollins? Better thing to do, I don't know why I couldn't read that sentence. At the time, I just thought, was Seth teaching a lesson to Buddy? But nope, he literally had something to do. He went and got his papers. Like, get ready for soap opera nonsense, because Ray's daughter is, gasp, not his. <laughs> uh, laughing inside as I just questioned, what is this show? Like, why do I cover this crap? And I've watched, uh, I've, uh, I have think I've only been able to watch one other Outlet covering uh, Raw this week, and they said the exact same thing. That It wasn't at this point, but at different points throughout the show, each one of them just had a moment where they were going, Why do I watch this? Like, this is why am I watching this crap? <laughs> so, that's not in terms of people who review it. I guess that's we're going to be coming back to review it for websites and things, so it's a little bit differently. But for the average viewer, it's just a normal person is tuning in. If they have that thought, why would they tune in again next week? Like, will next week's viewership be really low? That's something I'm just thinking. It's post-Clash of Champions, but Clash of Champions isn't that hyped. As in, I, I'm not, I don't feel anything behind it. Uh, for me, it's up to SmackDown to generate something if I have time to watch it, because G1 Climax. <laughs> like, I need to wrap up this show because my alarm is set for J- Japan time tomorrow morning. It's <laughs> like, just, yeah, immediately do this podcast version, get that all done, pop off to bed, wake up for New Japan. <laughs> There's not much downtime. Uh, but, yeah. Also, he was saying, oh, I did a DNA, t- asked the guy to do the DNA test on uh, on Ray's kid, but maybe he did it on the wrong kid, and, oh, I don't know. Like, Seth would have all of this information, and it was nonsense, but I buy it as something Seth would do. Like, all of this to try and sink to this level and try and mentally play with the Mysterio family. Like, in the context of the show, it was just another really weird thing that that ended weirdly. <laughs> but Seth Rollins smiling on the vamp afterwards is like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I've I've done something to that family there. It's like even if it's clearly nonsense and Mysterio's and Ray's like it's clearly nonsense, and Seth knows, yeah, it's nonsense, but it's working. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I'll take that. But on this show, it was a really weird segment on a really weird show. It's just like, oh, what is this? What is this? Uh, Lana and Natalia versus Nia Jax and Shane and in a short and sweet one again. It's like, oh yes, the tried and tested formula where the losers from last week get to face the champions. <laughs> to be fair, when you're dancing in such a small room, you're going to step over each other quite a bit. So you got, yeah, so last week it was the champs on commentary with a number one contenders match. This week it's the successful number one contenders on commentary with the champs in a match against the losers. Um, I guess as a warm up. But again, the other logic is well, suddenly the team who lost have a match against the champions. Yeah, da 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 (laughs) da. just just don't think about it. Uh, Natalia gives it a go, but the champs make quick work of them. They just repeat the tactic of the riot squad last week, so at least I noticed that. I kind of like that. Uh, They knock Natalia off the apron and ground Lana for an easy win. After the match, they pick up their cock cock contenders, (laughs) class of champions. First time I made that gag. Uh, clearing the announced table, but Vi and Liv fight them off, so the, so the champs pick up Lana and drive her through the table instead. Two weeks in a row, poor lass. Uh, yes, yeah, building something that doesn't really matter. And At this point in the show I'm just thinking, is it at any point in me covering any of this? Because Retribution's the thing I'm going to be ranting about. <laughs> Does the rest of the show even matter? Uh, McIntyre in the Doctor's room. He's not good. He's not in a great shape. Uh, and with no rules on Sunday, he'll beat the piss out of Autumn. As for tonight, he's going to pick a fight and he storms out. He must have been storming for a really long time. <laughs> because there was a, a, a couple, it was a segment before it. Uh, we then cut to the Mysterio family backstage. And Leah didn't take to her, her dad calling her a naive 19-year-old very well. And lets her dad know it. It's like, can't I stand up for myself? Why did you have to do that? Uh, also, Mandy Rose is coming to roar. Eventually, at some point soon, perhaps. <laughs> uh, also, we had uh, Leah Mysterio backstage on a lonesome kind of uh, weeping when Buddy Murphy walks in and says, if their actions hurt her in any way, then he is truly sorry. And uh, first note of, uh, if they can turn her against the family, if this is just a note on that, then yeah, really like it. If it's a potential romance angle, hmm, a WWE wrestler... And a daughter, they've literally just m- said... They've just made a thing of calling her young and naive. To do that now, s- like, within half a year, within months of speaking out, where we learnt some stuff, to do that now? Mm-hmm. a little bit tone deaf. To say the least, a little bit tone deaf. But if it is splitting up the family, and even if you use that, you use a romance a little bit, to take Aaliyah from the mysterious family and turn them against him—it's all a Seth plan. Yeah, I can work with that. Now yeah, we got Asuka versus Peyton Voice. I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to wrap up this show. I think this is the final segment because I've talked about the Retribution main event. Yes, I have. Uh, Asuka versus Peyton Voice. Like, man, like I should be cheering at seeing this match. Seeing this match, like I've been. This is something I've been like, yeah, elevate this way. Do it. Do it like this, and they did it. They did it on this show. Peyton Royce got a match against Asuka, and yes, it ended in DQ, but you got to see Peyton Royce step up and impress against Asuka in a singles match. But this roar had just broken me. (laughs) I just didn't care about this thing that for weeks I've been like, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. And then they gave it me, but I just had no energy for it. Uh, Royce got in, uh, like she got a tad of luck in, but in trying to show that she could swing strikes with Asuka, she obviously got strikes by Asuka. (laughs) A spinning heel kick to a rope-perched Royce, uh, set her up nicely for an Asuka lock. Voling uh, tried to cinch it in, Vega ran in causing the DQ. Uh, Royce was like, Voling and Asuka never had the hold locked in, uh, leaving it nice and open. Uh, but Vega attacking and ultimately not winning out against Asuka may be a wee decent foreshadowing for Sunday. Just, uh. Also, that was a that was the second DQ of the night, and then the main event had another DQ. <laughs> because, because it, with Retribution and Hurt Business they are building the Hurt Business really well and really strongly and consistently so they don't want them to lose and Retribution are this new thing that they also don't want to lose so obviously it's a DQ so you know just building a show putting it together maybe don't have two running DQs on the same show especially don't have one in the very segment right before it <laughs> just, Yeah, there's a lot of things that stick out of bit more because the competitions address the issues. Again like the sheer amount of DQs and count outs and interferences and things and in AW like I think there's only been one in their entire first year and in WWE we've got three in one night. <laughs> it's just I, might even have, I don't think there were any more than three. I think it was just the two run-ins and then the main event mass brawl thing. Well in in such a soft DQ that they'd turn into a mass brawl. Like seriously, this episode. Like, I've I have laughed during doing this. I hopefully I've gotten across. It's out of the pain that <laughs> was watching the thing. But uh, yeah, I'm um, like thank thank God I got to the end of this show. Uh, <laughs> and then I put effort into the Photoshop for it for that lovely image to the of me. Uh, whoa, bloody hell! I'm ready for bed. anyway Alex thank you for listening to me rant on about that Uh, I will be live on Tuesday for the NXT review and uh, hopefully on Friday I'll be on vetting headlines in column form as I'll be I'm collaborating with uh, Sir Sam uh, on the uh, NJPW G1 climax just putting that slowly together over time and that will hopefully be put up on Friday I think there's a show Wednesday tomorrow and Thursday so we'll get it up on Friday with our matches of the week and whatnot. Uh, but next time you'll hear me and visually see me. Will be on Thursday for the NXT review. And like the bar's not any lower. Like, I don't currently do a Smackdown review. The plan is hopefully the channel will get a Smackdown review at some point. It's just like uh, personally for me. It has an organisation and things. It's not going to happen now. <laughs> Maybe for like a month or two I might be able to do it. But right now it's, it's, not, it's nowhere near possible. But Smackdown... The reason I'm hitting on SmackDown is that's the show that can save my interest for Clash of Champions. I just don't care. Uh, I think I tweeted out that this run like Raw sucked out any enjoyment or anticipation I had for that show. And now it's up to SmackDown to try and inject some back in. And Sometimes at two hours, SmackDown is a bit more of a fun ride. They've been hitting home runs with uh, the J U Uso Roman Reigns story so far. Just nail that ending and you've got a main event I care about. It's like this war was... Like, bad, bad. Easily the worst one that I've reviewed. And I've reviewed some Duff ones. But I would say, like, a lot of the Duff ones, I more... I hit a fatigue point or, like, the pacing was off and it made it a slightly difficult show to watch. But this was, like... Yes, it was, like, a really bad thing in Retribution, but that cast a shadow. And the rest of the show was just bad. (laughs) It was so bad. It was awful. Anyway, I've plugged all my stuff. Go to WrestlingHeadlines.net for your latest news. Uh, that's the end of the Raw review. I just going to close all my things so I can't possibly tangent onto anything else. So with that, I collapse. <laughs> what on earth was that show? Uh, hit me up on Twitter at the damn in Damn, if you want to ask me any questions or rant and like, what was your thoughts on retribution? Hit up in the comments uh, below uh, and I will be, uh, I'll be reading them hopefully at some point and I will crash. No, I'm going to crash now. Ready for New Japan tomorrow. we you go bounce back for a day of truly awful wrestling into a day of hopefully amazing wrestling. <laughs> Such a... I'm going to get whiplash. Wrestling whiplash. It's going to be real. Uh, anyway, with that, I will, be, I will also be live tweeting during the G1 Climax as well. So I'll... hopefully. <laughs> so if you want to join me with that. A quick announcement for Go Off Air. <laughs> Everyone happens to see this before... I'm, most people will watch this after I'm uh, like after the G1 climax is aired, but I'm live. Uh, I'll be live tweeting with the G1 climax. If you want to follow me at the for Cat. Anyway, go to wrestlingheadlines.net for your latest news. Join me on Thursday for your NXT review. Read the G1 climax weekly review on Friday. And with that, what the hell was that retribution reveal? <laughs> with that, I bid mean you do. Adios. <laughs>